Hold your phone in our review of Hold the Dark in this episode held together on Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Welcome to Cheerful Ghost Radio. My name is John, and for this episode, I'm joined by the enviable Travis Newman. And in this episode, we're going to be reviewing Netflix's new film, Hold the Dark. Dear Mr. Core. Three days ago, my son Bailey was taken by wolves. According to IMDb, after the deaths of three children suspected to be killed by wolves, writer Russell Core is hired by the parents of a missing six-year-old boy to track down and locate their son in the Alaskan wilderness. To kill the one that took him. I came to help if I can to explain this. If I can. All right, so I wanted to let everyone know that in this Hold the Dark review, we're just going to be blasting straight into spoilers. So if you wanted to see this movie, I encourage you to pause this, save it, and then go watch the Netflix movie and then come on back and listen to it because we're just going to blast through it. So I'm going to kick things over to Travis for him to talk about his thoughts on Jeremy Saulnier's Hold the Dark. So first, I got to give you props for that very ominous intro you did for this episode. That was great. <laughs> but um, this entire podcast is me just basically begging video game companies to give me a job as a voice artist. Gotcha. Well, this is a good one for your resume. <laughs> please, please. Uh, sorry, Travis. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, this <laughs> this film was something, man. It was so like hold, I know. hold the dark. I mean the the keyword in this t- title is dark. Oh my god! It was. I know. I was texting you guys. You might as well rename this movie. Turn the dark to eleven because they didn't hold shit for dark. I'll tell you what. Yeah, and I I had, I think I told you guys I heard that Saulnier does amazing things with very realistic blood and gore, and oh, man, yeah, it, it doesn't does. take you very long to get into it when you see um, mm-hmm. the father whose name I can't remember in uh, the Middle East as a soldier, and he gets shot in the neck, yeah. and I'm just like, holy shit! I know that was know. intense, but he does not fuck around no, with gore. No, he does not, and I was I was absolutely riveted in this film from the very beginning i love the slow pace of it a lot of people Mm -hmm. get really bored with slow paced movies but i think if you can make it through twin peaks your tolerance for (laughs) slow pace goes way up and yeah but i I really loved the pacing of it It, he set the mood so well and uh, there were just so many plot threads and little mysteries that it set up and didn't really answer i'm I'm really interested to hear what you think about the ending of it but um i have some things to say about that okay sure. I, I it almost seemed like it just stopped instead of properly ending but at the same time i think that was the point and i am still not sure whether i like or dislike the way he ended it but um 
I think it was the point actually, yeah. which yeah. I think, a, which it missed a lot of people. Yeah. And when I saw it too, I was like, wow, this is not how one wraps up a movie that I'm used to. <laughs> right. And then I realized that that's the point, I think. Yeah, uh, I agree. At least it seems to be. And uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, that, that was probably one of the best shootouts I've ever seen in film there's a, it's a like point, rambo joins this movie yeah. for a minute there's a point in <laughs> hold the movie, my beer guys yeah there's a point in the movie where this guy is holed up in his house and he's got this uh like barn door up at the top of his house and he goes out with this giant freaking i don't even know what kind of gun it is like massive machine gun and he's shooting at all it's the cops basically- and Right. It's one of those turrets that you'd put on like a, a helicopter yeah. and the guy bolts it into his floor and you're like, is he doing what I think he's doing? Uh, and it was a fun scene because in the beginning, the cops like, you know, we, f- we found you at your house because you shut up these cops and, you know, we, we, you, you registered this guy. He's like, I got a couple of things I don't have registered. <laughs> and then he bolts it into his floor. Wow. Yeah, I doubt he has that one registered. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could register that. Yeah, was, I've heard people in Alaska love guns, though. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah it was it was this guy against what, like 20, 30 cops. And that was just one of the most intense shootouts I've ever seen. Honestly, yeah, just the yeah. the emotion of these kind of green cops who had never been in any kind of like, I guess they hadn't really done anything more serious than petty theft for the most part in a small town in Alaska. But yeah. man, man, it was beautiful. And I, I love Jeffrey, Wright. I've, I've, I'm a big Westworld fan and he plays Bernard in that. And he has shown off his chops really well in that show, but this kind of gave him something new to play with. And he did really well with it. And Alexander Skarsgård is just creepy in everything that he does. And this is no different. He pulls off. I don't even know what kind of insanity you'd even call it. Just cold blooded killing constantly and like showing no emotion in it. And I'm, I'm still, okay. I want I want to get your opinion on this as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if he, like, when he came back and found out that his son was dead, do you think he kind of knew what was going on already? Cause it seemed like as soon as he found his wife, he just, they went and grabbed the coffin and started dragging it off. Like this was kind of an expected thing. So I want our reviews to sort of like merge together. Cause it's, I, like I've got lines on this and, and I want to go back. So I, this is based on a movie, a book. This movie's based on a book and it's Saulnier's first film. That's based on something that he didn't write, which I think is, well, he, he wrote this with Macon Blair. Who's one of the uh, actors in the movie uh, who's in all of his other movies too, by the way, he's like the gang character in blue ruin and stuff like that. So, um, Saulnier said two things that I think is interesting about what's going on. And then if you read the book, then you understand he alluded to this. And one thing that Saulnier said in an interview that I read, which he said in in an interview with Thrillist is he basically said that everything you need to understand the movie is in the movie itself. And the woman talks basically about all of it. And so there's this one scene in the beginning where she said, He's like, how long have you known your husband? And she said, there's, I, I've all, I, it's not, I've always known him. That There's never a memory where he wasn't there. That's an allusion to them actually being brother and sister. So they're oh. actually brother and sister married. Okay. So that's, that's like, uh, right. And, and I think that Saulnier just like, he's, I guess it, he's, 
had a cut word that was spelled out, but he doesn't like to just tell you everything. It likes to be about a mystery. And I think that like have their mystery there. And I think that's what's turning off so many people. He really does not hand you what this movie is on a plate. Right. So one other thing also is the point that he wanted to get across with this movie, again, according to a thrillist um, article I read and I'll sort of hand it to you, Travis, you can put it in the show notes was he said, once I committed to the project, it was cathartic and positive for me. And that helped me deal with the frustrations of trying to every day figure out what the fuck we're doing to each other, why humans behave the way we do, they do, why we're so inherently violent and tribal and sort of act counter to our best interests. So I think what's going on in this movie is you've got the dad who comes home from the war. His wife had murdered his son and he wants to fuck everyone up to get revenge. Okay. So, and then is that, is that, that that was the question, right? I mean, that's kind of how I look at his actions at that point. Yeah. And I think they switch. I I think it switches depending on when you're in the movie because of that, what, um, Saulnier said, it's, humans acting in these really strange ways and very tribal. And I also look at the movie in a different lens too, um, based on how the characters act and then sort of what the movie says about wolves and stuff like that. But anyways, you can, you can continue, but that was kind of my answer to that question. Yeah, that gives me a little bit more of a perspective on it, but I mean, overall I didn't at first, I guess in like the first 10 minutes after I got finished watching it, I was kind of pissed off at the ending and how it didn't wrap things up, but it took a little bit of really, well, it does, but it doesn't. Right. right. It it took a bit of thinking and from what you were telling me now, I could probably figure it out if I went back and rewatched things and paid more attention to certain conversations. But the kind of narrative that I wrote for myself for this was that, you know, things in life don't always have clear explanations and sometimes you don't catch the bad guys. And this was just kind of a story about that. And this is a, I mean, it was dark as shit for the whole thing. And so the ending is continuing that theme as, you know, nothing gets resolved here. This was just screwed up and now it's still screwed up. Right. So I'm going to start with the end of my notes because I think it's kind of more relevant now. So my thinking of this movie is that they are both wolves or they've been possessed by the spirit of wolves or something like that. Because when you say both, you mean the husband and wife? Absolutely. Okay. I do. Yes. So he's in war. He's like hunting, right? He's like a wolf out at war, right? And he's sort of, and so that's how I view him being away Cause that's, he's doing his wolf thing, you know, and she's at home going a little nuts cause she wants him back and she kills their son. Right. They have this scene where the wolf, where they explain that wolves will kill their young if they run into st- stresses or, you know, food is scarce or whatever. And I think they make the parallel that that's kind of what she did And that's what wolves did. And then this witch in the village was like, she's possessed by the spirit of a wolf. I I think that they are wolves and possessed or however you want to look at it. I don't think the film's too supernatural, but I think there could be that element that it's alluding to possibly. Um, So if you look at it through that lens that they're just 
And then sort of how Solnier was thinking about the movie, which is that we're tribal. I think that it's trying to show that humans are often animal-like and and seemingly evil. And then the last scene when they basically get back together, I think he really wanted to kill her. He's like, nah, I like, I, I love you or we're together and I got nothing else. So we're going to continue together. And then they got their son and then they're going to bury him somewhere or something. And that's the end, right? That's the end, right? They're both together, like carrying, like um, taking their son across the Alaskan wilderness. I think they're going to bury him and probably, you know, continue on or whatever. I viewed that in the same way that I'd build like a wolf pack moving on or whatever. Um, and yeah, it was definitely sort of a very morose ending. Uh, so I, I really liked hold the dark and I, and it was a very reserved movie. It felt like the performances were really reserved. And if you watch a lot of Saulnier stuff, I guess he's only got three movies. I haven't seen murder party, but I saw blue ruin and I saw, um, green room and, uh, blue ruin and green room are fantastic. And I think they're more accessible than hold the dark. I don't think hold the dark's a very accessible movie. Uh, um, Hold the Dark feels reserved. And again, Sonia's style is dialogue isn't flashy. For instance, you could compare him to like Tarantino and Tarantino's got a lot of dialogue. Characters are talking a lot and he sets tone in this very stylistic, thick, you know, um, it's almost like bullshitting, you know, bar discussion nerd thing, you know, which is awesome. I love his movies for that. And then Sonia is like, trying to build up this thick environment with little, you know what I mean? It's very reserved. It's using like very Spartan music. It's using very powerful visuals that are simple, I would say, and also dialogue. And so um, again, and in, in, in this movie uses practical effects and gore. And when they do, they're absolutely effective, but he doesn't hold them too long. And I think that it's really funny. And this was very funny, but in the beginning of the movie, he says, you have this, hold the dark title credits. And then he pulls it back so fast. And I laughed because uh-huh. like, I, I love that. I know. Cause he just pulls it back from you so fast. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> he did not hold very long. I thought that was really funny. So you noticed that too. I did. Then. Yeah. Uh, it just made me laugh. I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. It's just not what you would expect. And so, um, instead of having Luke Skywalker throw a lightsaber, he did that in the beginning, which I thought was really fun. So, <laughs> Um, but it's a slow burn movie, but not in a slow, boring way. At least I didn't find it boring. I found that it was really interesting. Even when the main character, the woman in the beginning is saying a bunch of nonsensical seeming shit. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And in retrospect, when you watch the whole movie, you're like, oh, okay, that probably makes a lot more sense in a second viewing, which is cool. Um, but at first glance, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but since I'm OK with like tone and, you know, movies not immediately getting to the point, which this movie does not immediately get to the point. Um, I thought it was fine. But if you read some of the reviews, Jesus, uh, people did not like that part of it. No. So. No, they did not. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about that because I think Hold the Dark exists as a unique film and I don't know how it exists in a theatrical way, like cinema way, like going to the movie theater. Solnier said on Twitter that he didn't make this movie in any other way than he would make a normal movie for Netflix. I believe him sort of, but how does this movie, Travis, get made and people go see this in the theater? How do you sell this movie? 
because it seems like perfect for Netflix. I agree. Perfect for streaming. I, I don't. Agree. I don't know how this exists in a cinema. Like it would. It probably project amazing. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I'm just saying, how do people see this and it makes money? I don't. I don't get that. I think that it makes money in like art houses where people expect yeah. more. Well, less like blockbustery mainstream stuff. I think right. it could do fairly well there. But right, and I, Netflix is releasing it in a limited run in each of the cities that Sony is going to to talk to. So if you've mm-hmm. got that, check his Twitter. He's talking about those. They're happening in the next couple of days. But yeah. Yeah, I, so I'm really happy, and I want to I want to gush on uh, Netflix a little bit here because um, I think with what we're going to be reviewing soon with Tim, which is Disenchantment, and you've got Hold the Dark, and you've got um, Gareth Edwards' next movie, I believe The Prophet is it's called The Prophet coming to Netflix, and, and then other stuff that you and I have been talking about. I think Netflix is entering this territory where it's going, it's becoming like a media king mm-hmm. in its own original content. You've got Bojack Horseman, which I just saw. You've got Ozark season two. You've got um, hold the dark. You've got disenchantment. You've got so much great stuff. And again, this movie was savaged in some people's reviews, which I don't, I don't know, Travis, why do you think that's the case? Like why are people wrecking this film when they're reviewing it? Well, I mean, we've talked about it, not having a lot of, mainstream appeal and i don't think i think part of it is a lack of patience from some people um it it asks a lot of you you have to be a very attentive viewer to it but also i I really don't think people liked the ending and i get that yeah me too but i came around on it pretty quickly it just took me about 10 minutes of sitting and contemplating it to come around to it but i don't think that I think that might be the the key issue people have with it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also not immediately accessible to apparently um, if you take the movie, like it just isn't spelled out. And I think you mentioned that it's not 100 percent spelled out to you what it is. You know, it's open to a a wide, you know, girth of interpretation. And Mm -hmm. I think the strange thing is if you take a movie that's very similar to that, at least that's not spelled out in any noticeable way, like 2001 or maybe the original Blade Runner, like those movies, like, I don't like, I don't think they'd exist. I mean, they get savaged, you know what I mean? Even if they're released straight to Netflix, people would say garbage, don't understand it. But these movies are like classics. So I think that hold the dark is going to, I think is going to hold up as a cinema, a classic movie actually, because it, 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 gives the people a little bit more to discuss um, in that way. All right, Travis, what would you rate Hold the Dark on the ghost scale? I think I'm going to give it a pretty, pretty high rad. Um, my my uh wave of emotion after seeing it went back and forth a lot but yeah i think it's it's not perfect by a long shot but i think it's really good and i i think you would kind of be missing out if you just like, listen to everything people are saying online and like oh this is trash and you skip it i i think you should give it a shot if you like kind of more cerebral movies where 
things aren't handed to you and you've got to think more about it and you've got to really devote your attention to it, then I think you should check it out. Right. So if you don't like mystery too much and, you know, long sort of like tone exercises isn't really your thing. And and that's cool. Like, you don't have to like that kind of stuff. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Right. Just you, you don't need to watch this movie. It, Netflix isn't even going to recommend it to you anyways, because it knows what you watch. It will not <laughs> recommend Hold the Dark to you. Right. Because their algorithms know you don't like that stuff. Um, for me, it was on the front page of the Netflix app and yeah. blasted to my brain because that's what I love. I love this kind of stuff. Um to me, so far, Saulnier's best movie is Green Room. I think it's a tight. I think it's accessible. I think it's kick-ass. A bunch of punk rock kids, you know, and Nazi punks meet up. And uh, it's about, you know, them trying to survive in a, in a Nazi environment. You know, these non-Nazi punks and stuff. And I think that's so relevant now with this sort of resurgence of, you know, Nazism in the United States, which is disgusting. And I think Green Room has a message now. This isn't about a green. We should review green room uh, when you see it, Travis again, but I think hold the dark is um, really cool. And it's so different than, than a movie he's made before. And I really like that about it. For me, this is a must. This is a John Dotson must play watch um, for movies that I like. Um, again, like, I don't care if you didn't like this movie very much. I mean, I guess I care cause it's interesting to know what my friends think of stuff. But like, if you see this movie and you're angry at me, I, you know, save it. But because I warned you, if you don't like this kind of stuff, don't watch it. Right. If 2001 bores you. Do not watch this movie. Um, I mean, you might not even like this movie. If you like 2001. They're really different, but they're similar in some of the ways that they uh, hand you narrative. So, yeah. Hold the dark. Must play. Now, I am curious because a lot of movies that came to Netflix, for instance, The Cloverfield Paradox, mm-hmm. I wanted to buy. You can't. Okay, you cannot buy it. So in the case of Hold the Dark, I really wonder if there's going to be a release with like behind the scenes and stuff. I don't know. I, I, I appreciate that as long as this I appreciate Netflix in that these kinds of things are going to live on forever. Right. And they're going to find a new audience and they're always be there and they're not going to rotate out. And that's really awesome. But for me, I like buying stuff and I kind of I don't know. I sort of wonder if you're going to be able to do that outside of that, though. Um really cool movie and uh if you have a chance to see it in your local cinema i would i think this movie is gonna probably come back to art house cinemas um and such but uh really great and i consider it a must watch hey everyone this is tim from cheerful ghost radio my co-host and i want to thank you for listening to our show we have a lot of fun making this podcast and i hope you enjoy it too if you like what we're doing and you want to support us you can do so on patreon Patreon is a site where people can fund the things they love. If you choose to support us at the membership level, you'll also get some awesome benefits on the Cheerful Ghost website. So head over to cheerfulghost.com, click the heart icon at the top of the page, and support us on Patreon. Thanks! Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.